Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young Labor Man playing against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, so I guess Alabama's a second-half team now, huh? Man, um, they they definitely uh, found their rhythm in the second half. Uh, I think they kind of realized that they they made adjustments at halftime. You know, I think the most interesting thing about this is is – you know, they they had to abandon the running game for all intents and purposes just because their inability to establish a ground game. Uh, and fortunately, they've got a special talent in Tua, uh, or I think this would have been a very different football game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, he throws up 377. Well, not just Tua. Tua threw up uh, 324, you know, passing yards, five touchdowns. Uh, you know, you can bail a lot of water. Uh, you know, Alabama only, uh, you could say, only mustered 59 plays, but scored 52 points. So that's almost a point of play. That's uh, that's pretty efficient uh, play. And then uh, right on the button, 500 yards of offense. You know, you could you know, you could talk the distribution. I like the big passing number. I wish the, the rushing number were a little bit bigger. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to be pretty good uh, with a 31 point win over Auburn, huh? No, absolutely, man. We won't we won't see this much in our lifetime. You know, interestingly enough, you know, when when they played Mississippi State, they ran seventy two plays, and forty five of those was rushing yard, you know, rushing attempts. But yet they only averaged three yards a game, or three yards a, a carry. Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs almost got a hundred yards in that game, but you know, forty five of their seventy two uh, plays were running plays. But yet they were only able to average three point two yards. Well, interestingly enough, in this game, you know, they had they had right at 60 plays, like you said, 59 plays, uh, but only 26 of them were were running plays. And four of those was, you know, two of keeping the ball. So you really only had 22 plays designed for your running backs to carry the ball. And obviously, we know Mississippi State has a good front. We know Auburn has a good front. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that against these really good defensive lines, um, I think this offensive line – is more comfortable with their pass blocking than their run blocking. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there was a lot of excitement about, you know, the ground game, like you said, against Mississippi State. And, and you know, I wonder if that was the exception uh, because we don't see a dominant run game. But, uh, you know, it is a different animal, the the run block and, and the pass block. And so, you know, always going to be happy that we can do one of them well. Uh, and especially glad that that uh, that talent is lined up with the quarterback and receiving core we've got. So, uh, if that's where they're gonna they're gonna double down, I think that's I think that's probably the right play given the mix of talent on this team. Oh yeah, the fact that the fact that Tua threw five touchdowns out of twenty five completions, 
you know, he's obviously a special kid. We've talked about this, right? He's a he's a Peyton Manning type of football player. Uh, only a few handful of these guys, you know, come along. And so obviously, you know, his ability to throw the ball made this game very different. Um, you know, the fact that we had the ball for only 25 minutes and scored 52 points. I mean, come on, man. You and I would ne- you and I have not seen that in our lifetime. And um, you know, you we, we might never see that again in a couple of years. No, I think this whole I, I agree, right? This is one of those moments, and we say this on the podcast, you know, with some regularity, that we need to celebrate the now. We need to celebrate this Saban era. And this is a particular slice of that era that is even sweeter than some of the rest of it, right? This is a new a, a new sort of personality, uh, a new sort of identity that the Alabama offense is, is demonstrating. And I don't know if this is going to be the wave of the future or if this is a blip that, that, uh, that we're getting now. But <laughs> I think you're right. We should enjoy the heck out of this right now while we've got it. Oh, absolutely, man. And you... You and I were obviously there live and and was able to get a a good perspective being in the stands. But, you know, the commentators said at the beginning of this football game that in the past 11 years, uh, 10 of those years, Alabama has come into this Auburn game ranked number one or number two. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 11 years. And so when we talk about this train ride and this train ride, you better enjoy it. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches, right? I mean, come on. 10 out of 11 years, you've come into the last game of your season, ranked number one or number two. And so, uh, obviously, um, I'm just glad that we are along for the ride and, and able to experience it. Um, yeah, tell me tell me what's, the, what's, what's one of the first things that jumped out at you on offense? I don't know that there was a, a, a singular thing. Um, you know, we talked about the play of Tua and, and without sort of belaboring his – his play, maybe the thing that that because so much of what happened on offense was sort of intertwined with with his play. And I know we'll unpack some of it, but let's talk about the first score, which was the two a run for the touchdown. Uh, we talk about, you know, running your star receiver on the end around. And, you know, th- that, you know, what do you think about Tua with we've known sort of some knee injuries or um leg you know lower lower leg injury injuries just anyways what do you think about uh, a design run on the goal line you know man um i'm not a big fan um obviously i'm sure that it caught auburn off guard um but you've got four talented running backs on this team and and you have a host of talented receivers to run the end around play that we don't not the days of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones when Julio Jones would run it and he's the only guy that you have. And it's like, why are you doing that? So I, I'm not a fan. I, I think they could have scored other ways. Obviously, after he scored, he did his celebration jump with one of the players. And it's like, uh, we just went over this a couple weeks ago. You don't need to be doing that. I, I'm not a fan. I, I think we could have scored another way. Yeah, I, I tend to I tend to land in that camp as well. Let's Let's not take the risk. Uh, this is early in the game. We're not that desperate for points right now. I mean, I know we want to, you know, take the lead and, and all of those things. I think that um, I can I, I can see both sides of the argument, but I firmly plant my feet in one. I can see the the conversation sort of unfold that says they won't see this coming. Uh, when we're lined up in the goal line, it's tight. It's it's short real estate. What can we do? that that they will not expect. 
Well, they'll never expect that we're going to run Tua on the outside, given, you know, the second half of the season with his injuries. They will be overly protective of uh, of him. And so they will do something else. We don't necessarily have to worry about defending that. And so I can see that. Um, and so I can see where you might would want to make a decision based on that. It is just not a decision I would make. And, and you know, you you as well. Right. And so I would agree that at that position on the field, we have other options. You know, let's let's fake something run one one way and, and sweep it the other way. Uh, let's do a, a toss sweep action, something uh, that they're there that I'm confident with the weapons, the tools that we have that uh, that we could do something that that did not entail uh, running to in that in uh, in that position. I'm glad we got a touchdown. I'm glad he got up. I'm glad he's healthy. I like sort of the gamesmanship and, and thinking uh, creative ways to score. I just I just would have said, yep, that's nice. We're not doing it. Did you notice a brace on his knee? I did not. I noticed one last week. Yeah, so so that makes you wonder, right? Because um, obviously we think there's something still there. He didn't seem to be favoring – he didn't seem to be limping quite as much in this game. You know, coming back and forth to the huddle and that kind of stuff and to the line of scrimmage. And so that does make you wonder behind the scenes, you know, what treatment he has had in the past couple weeks. Um, because he seemed, he seemed in the best condition he could be since the LSU game. Yes. And, and I would say early in the LSU game, because, because he took a, a, a couple of shots there and, and you saw him, uh, favor, uh, you know, favor a little bit. And so here, the last couple of, the last couple of weeks, and even the Mississippi state game, you talked about, you know, the touchdown celebration where he jumps up, you know, he was quoted as saying in that game, he jumped up and, and even while he was in midair, he was thinking, oh, this is going to hurt to land. Uh, and then he comes back and all this sort of breathless anticipation, how much is he going to play in the Citadel game? And he ends up playing a good portion of it with no brace. And same uh, same here in the in the Iron Bowl. And it's one of those things, if you didn't know he had been injured or had demonstrated an injury, then you wouldn't know. Uh, and so if you just turned on and watched these last two games, you would wonder what all of the you know, all the talk was about him being injured because there's there's no brace and there's no there's no visual evidence uh, of an injury. So I don't know if he is is recovered or is managing sort of the discomfort better. I don't know what it is. And I still say there's a there's a thread of this narrative that we're going to hear uh, about, you know, in the offseason. But I'd rather see him healthy. Uh, than out there gimping around. I just want us to respect that health and not put it at jeopardy. No, absolutely. Well, hey, take a quick second and touch on, obviously we didn't run the ball much, right? Obviously we, I guess, you know, just just felt like that we were having more, you know, we'd have, we're having more success throwing the ball. But yet, Damian Harris only gets nine carries on the day and Josh Jacobs gets only five. Mm -hmm. But yet, on our first possession of the game, Damian Harris ran the ball three times. First down, first play of the game, he runs for five yards. Next time on a first and 10, he runs for three yards. The next time on a first and 10, he runs for five yards. The only reason I'm pointing this out for the listeners is because, you know, we got three first downs on that first drive before we had to punt the ball. We didn't have a third down until that last, you know, series. Um, 
we had a seven play sequence there at the beginning of the game. Well, two of the first and 10 plays, he ran for five yards, man, which teams would take all day long. And only the other, so on first down, on, on first and 10, the three first and 10s we had on that first sequence, he got the ball all three first and 10s and basically had, what, three carries for 13 yards, which is not too bad. But yet he only saw the ball six more times the rest of the football game. You know, we we what do you think about that? I mean, like like looking back at the actual yards he got on that first series wasn't that bad. Like, what do you, what, why do you, why do you think we kind of abandoned? You know, that like like we talk about scripting the first ten or fifteen plays, right? It's like they just tore them up in little pieces on the sideline and said, "Okay, what were we thinking with our first plays? We didn't like getting five yards on these carries, and so let's go do something else." Well, yeah, it's interesting, right? And and I think it goes um I think there's a parallel to the Mississippi State game where the first two uh possessions Alabama had success running the ball on the ground and sort of running right at uh some some of the star uh key defenders and then we went away from that. And there was sort of, there was a a lull in that game when we were trying to get the the passing game going and you know, did to some extent, but a, but a lesser uh, a lesser extent. And, and, you know, 14 of the, what is it? 24 points we scored in that game. We scored on the first two, uh, the first two possessions. The parallel here is we didn't score on the first possession. We didn't continue, you know, sort of running the ball for multiple possessions, but we did have, we did have success doing it. And so you think, why does that not translate? I, I don't know. I want to think, you know, schematically Auburn is making some, uh, some, some adjustments. And I also think we're seeing bigger opportunities in the pass game, uh, you know, for more chunk yards and that we want to really, you know, spread the margin, put some points, spread the field. And I think saving for a little bit is um, he would never say this out loud. If he writes a book when he retires, then we'll, we might hear about it there. But uh, I think, I think Saban fashions himself a, uh, uh, um, Warning a Heisman quarterback, and that 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 he might see that cherry on that as a as a cherry on top, and certainly something that could springboard future recruiting. And if there's anything that's the shiny object to Saban, it's it's recruiting. And I just think there's I think there's connective tissue there. I think that he's I think he's enjoying this, and I think that if um, if he can uh, if he can have a uh, a Heisman winning quarterback. Then, um, then I, I think there's part of him that would be really excited about that, and I think he goes that way in the play calling, or allows Loxley uh, to go that way in the play calling. So um, I think there's something there. I don't know if that's I don't know if I'm just making up something on the fly. You can sort of react to that, but I think there's something there. No, there could be uh, just because you know we we talked about Tua being you know looking healthy or healthier. You know, some of his receivers looked a little healthier, right, in this game. And, you know, in the days of old when we would throw the ball to Calvin Ridley for eight times or Amari Cooper for nine times or Julio Jones for ten times, right? I mean, teams could just stick their best corner on them. Well, dude, what's really crazy about these stats is is they're getting these, – these guys are getting theirs without having to be greedy. Jerry Judy, five catches, but he got a touchdown. Jalen Waddle, three catches, but he got a touchdown. Devonta Smith, four, but he got a touchdown. 
Rugs, you only got five catches, but you got two touchdowns. And Josh Jacobs, you got four catches, but you got one touchdown. And so, dude, all of these guys got a touchdown with less than five catches. Yeah. And then you talk about because he throws them open, right? I mean, Jerry Judy, long catch, 46. Waddle, 53. Devonta Smith, 40. Josh Jacobs, 33. Dude, we had four receivers who had a catch longer than 30 yards. Hell, if I throw rugs in there with a 22-yarder, which is still an explosive play, I mean, you just can't defend that. I mean, I mean, just to have all of these guys at his disposal, I mean, I guess that also feeds into your point, right? Is is Saban was smart enough to go with Tua in the second half of that national championship game, and he's smart enough right now to say, you know, I love my running backs and I love what they can do, and but, you know, let's go with the hot hand. Is there? I agree with that. Is there something? This is another sort of theory we can bat back across. Is there something to the notion, the idea that says, "Hey, we have these weapons." It's it's not like we're trying to force a passing game that doesn't exist. So we have these weapons. Is is it is it as simple as saying we can line up and and out bravado this team and over the you know uh, you know the Tigers and over the course of the game. You know, they've got a physical front. We can be physical up front and we can sort of grind it out against them and 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 maybe throw some play action off of that. And so we can have that type of offense here and we can do that and we can win a lower scoring game. And at the end of the day, we can thump our chest because we beat them up at, at the line of scrimmage. But then what do we have left in the tank next week to go play Georgia? And so you could say, and maybe this is sort of a call it an evolution of 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 Coach Saban, but why do I want to grind my myself into a grist right here when we can throw the ball over their heads, have success, and be as fresh as we can possibly be going into the SEC championship next week? What do you make of that? I think there's something to that. I think there's also something to this offensive line that that we've talked about that they just seem more comfortable with their pass blocking, mm-hmm. you know, than their than their run blocking. And you know, this might be one of the best fronts that they will, you know, that they've gone against so far. Um, but it's just like Mississippi State, man. I mean, Mississippi State had only given up, you know, what nine rushing touchdowns all year. We had two in the first quarter. We're up 21 to nothing at halftime, and we only get three points the whole second half. Well, guess what? In that game, you know, two only had 164 yards passing. Right. And so, uh, to your point, you talk about, you know, because he has so many weapons and because of the RPO game and how smart and intelligent Tua is at, at reading that, you know, like I was seeing a breakdown that was talking about on one play how, you know, uh, not in the Auburn game, but one earlier game this season, they were doing the RPO. And basically, you know, they had two deep safeties the other team did. And and one of the safeties needed to drop down on Irv Smith. And he was about 10 yards off. And, and because Tua does such a good ball fake in the RPO game mm-hmm. that the safety had to go look at that running back and take a step toward the right side where the – where the fake was going. And so then he had no chance of getting back over to the guy in the slot who caught an easy pass because Tua throws him open, right? He hits him in stride. He can throw through a freaking keyhole. And it was like an eight-yard gain. And the commentator on the SEC network was like, how do you stop this? 
Right. He was like, he was like, there's no way you can stop this. They, they, they can do this all day long. And now it's second and two. And so it's probably a combination of all of these factors is that you've got an accurate quarterback who can throw you open, who can get yards after the catch. He's got an embarrassment of wide receivers at his disposal. You've got a young offensive line who has shown, who hasn't shown an ability, right, to, to, to have a 300-yard day on the ground. And so it's probably all of those factors. Right. Right. No, that's interesting. Um, you know, you may you had an interesting comment when uh, um, uh, Jalen Hurts threw the, uh, his touchdown pass to Jalen Waddle. You suggested that Waddle had an extra gear and I had an interesting theory on that. What, uh, why don't you share that with us? You know, man, uh, Saban, Saban doesn't like to put up, you know, he doesn't like to get over that 50 point barometer, right? He, 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 he does not care for that. And so, um, you know, when Jalen came into the game, um, you know, it was first and 10 at the Alabama 47. And I was thinking, okay, are they going to let him take a shot here? And, and it was already 45 to 21. And, and so kind of like, you know, when Jerry in the Jerry Judy play that, that Jalen had, he hits Jay, he hits Waddle across the middle, you know, Waddle has a crease he kicks it into gear like everybody says Jerry Judy does after he gets receives the ball. Maybe he's been you know taking tips from Jerry Judy, but he just he just has a different motor about him to to go you know go around the defender and, and take the sideline. That you know Waddle knew that this was the last pass, or maybe he knew this was the last pass play that Saban was going to allow Loxley to call. Right. And, and sure enough, you know after that play got to fifty two points, you know. Ironically, they only had three plays the rest of the game after that play. Uh, you know, there was only three offensive plays after that. So it's kind of just funny uh, just to think that maybe Waddle said, hey, man, let me get this while I can because this is my only chance to get a touchdown. No, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, a couple of thoughts there. I think that I, I agree. Saban doesn't like to run up the score uh, and, and sort of there's a, a persona he has there. Again, I think it's one of those things that uh, there's some teams, there's some circumstances he doesn't mind it so much. And, uh, you know, if he can if he can sort of turn the screws on Auburn a little bit, I think that's okay, uh, especially coming off the loss to them last year. And uh, certainly a team that he knows he has to face uh, head up in recruiting for a lot of the in-state talent. He doesn't mind hanging that 50 on them and uh, making that making that look a, l- a little more pretty. So I'm I'm cool with that. But could you imagine, and this is a conjecture thing, I've, I, it's sort of the same topic, flipping gears a little bit. Can you imagine the uh, the conversation on the headsets where maybe Loxley gets into a gets into uh, you know a player's ear and and uh, you know says, "Hey, coach is only going to let us do this one or two more times, so let's make it count." <laughs> That is funny. Hey, um, no, that's for sure. Um, hey, I want to I want to take a second and talk about. Uh, uh, obviously, Damian Harris is a very talented running back, and and obviously has has meant a great deal to to this program. And and you know finished, you know going back to our running comment, you know Damian on his nine carries finished with four point six yard average, which isn't bad. Josh Jacobs on five carries had a five point six, which isn't bad. But on Josh Jacobs touchdown pass. Damian Harris is, is very astute at, at, at receiving the ball out of the backfield. And, you know, last year it was like, okay, they were trying to get Josh Jacobs on the field and he was banged up and how can we get him involved with all the talented running backs, et cetera, kind of deal. Um, but it seems like, you know, Damian had one catch on the day and Josh Jacobs had four. 
And it and it and it does seem like while Damian is very astute at catching the ball out of the backfield, Josh Jacobs just has a real special knack for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so on his one touchdown, on his one touchdown pass, Dave, that he caught, man, I just want to get your perspective being in the stands of how, you know, he made he made not a great pass from he made Tua look good. Because obviously Tua had thrown over his outside shoulder and and Josh Jacobs had turned on his inside shoulder. But just talk about for the listeners the adjustments he made on that play and and just what you thought about that. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, you know he is a more natural receiver, and and I think that he's a more naturally versatile player than Damian. And and that doesn't mean I don't like Damian, and that doesn't mean Damian is not a talented runner. That you know both things can be true. Uh, I just I just think that that sort of extra measure of of versatility you you get that with with uh, with Jacobs. I think he looked like a wide receiver. And, and, you know, that's sort of the comment that I wrote, you know, in, in my notes. I, you know, definitely wanted to, to touch up on that. He looked, he looked natural. You know, sometimes running backs, they can be effective in the running game, but it's a wheel route or it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not sort of a downfield passing uh, attack where they're, where they're used. To, the fact that we would even run Jacobs on sort of a down the field, you know, stretch the field, uh, kind of play is is itself something and and that gives you the matchup options that you want right and 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 just his play on the ball because it it was positioned it's it's one of those things right it was positioned where only he could catch it but it was going to take a good catch because the coverage was good and and he adjusted and and made that catch had it been another running back and I say this and and I don't say this to to denigrate anyone. They all have uniquely different skill sets. I don't know that he would have thrown the ball had that say, had it been another running back in that exam, exact route. Uh, I think that he would have looked at it and said, "He's covered. I'm I'm moving." And he saw Jacobs there and said, "Oh, Jacobs can catch this," and and he put it there. That's. Um, you know that that would be my my take on the situation. It was it was not a perfectly placed ball, but that's a function of the defense, and it was placed there because he knew that Jacobs could make a legitimate stab at it. And I don't think that he would have done that for another running back. And not well, not only did he make the adjustment to his outside shoulder, but then he had to make a cut, you know, to make a defender miss to score. Yes, and and you watch that play when he finished that play, and you're just thinking, wow. I don't know about a lot of guys, you know, you, you see that play and you think with the stable of talented running backs, you're like, okay, to your point, right? I guess that whole sequence there, is he the only back of the four talented running backs that could have made that play? And I think maybe so. Yeah. And and I think that you see that kind of play and, you know, we can, we can talk later on about the NFL draft and, and the players and who's going to declare and, and all of that. I just, you know, we're going to unpack that later. But just the comment that I would make is there's a lot of NFL teams, especially in, in how the game is changing in the NFL. There's a lot of teams that are going to look at a play like that from Jacobs and say, I want one of those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause that could, you know, cause that could bail out a quarterback, you know, big time for sure. Right. Right. Um, what, what else, what else jumped out at you? Uh, what, what other offensive moments do you want to kind of touch on? Without giving away my mini game ball, you know, I'll just double None. down on on the receivers <laughs> and and everyone getting okay. a turn. You you said this before, but it, you know, it's it definitely is 
I think worth reiterating. Uh, I think we had nine or eight different pass catchers, which is significant. We have definitely had games where we've had, you know, maybe one guy with 12 catches, one guy with two and, and, and three guys with one and, you know, a very, a, a very skewed passing distribution. And the numbers here, um, they weren't smooth, but, but there was a smoothness to them. Uh, you know, no one was, you know, far and above, you know, 77, 62, 72, 73, 53 yards, you know, all with touchdowns, at least one. Um, just the distribution there, it makes that there's so much more field to defend. And those are just the guys that call touchdowns. Uh, you know, Irv Smith is is a known quantity as a, as a weapon. And so you have to allocate to him, which is going to invariably make someone else is going to, you know, someone else is going to be open. And you take the Belichick or the Saban philosophy that says we're going to take away your your best uh, offensive weapon. We're going to take away your your best receiver. You know, I, you can you could legitimately tell a team, uh, you know, pick one and take them away. Great. Thank you. Uh, because there's so many of them that you can't cover them all. And uh, and then on top of that, you take a quarterback that can throw it anywhere on the field and then can can put it in that keyhole. Like you said, it makes you know, there's sort of dimensions to the field gets bigger. And not only does the bigger field get bigger, but we can throw it in tighter windows within that bigger field, which means you can't just kind of cover someone. You have to really cover someone. And so the field gets bigger as it gets bigger. This 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 passing offense is something to behold. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, on the Damian Harris watch, because obviously, you know, he had the big run against Citadel, which, you know, helped the the stats in that game. And I wish maybe he could have got a few more carries to go with that. Yep. You know, he's sitting there at 719 yards on the season uh, with an average of 6.1 yards per carry, which is not bad. And so it'll be interesting to see how he's used against Georgia. Uh, obviously, against LSU, he had 19 carries. Uh, Arkansas here, it says 15 carries. You know, Mississippi State, 14 carries. So the only games where he's really gotten a lot of carries has been Arkansas, you know, LSU, and Mississippi State. So I'll be curious to see, you know, if he how he's handled in this Georgia game uh, because he's still within a shot, man, at 719 yards. I mean, he's got two games left to play, hopefully. And um, hopefully three. I, I hope he gets it. Hopefully three. Ho well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully three. Uh, and so he's got his career now. He's two thousand nine hundred and sixteen yards. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so I, I hope that I hope he gets it. Yeah, I do too. I, I hope he gets that as well. Um, you know, one thing that that could sort of play in, not that we, not that we, or not that Saban intentionally tries to preserve players, but I think he does think about that in a way that maybe a younger version of him did not. I think that is something that is not a thought. Obviously, we don't want to injure someone, but there's not a play count. There's not a thinking about next week with the SEC championship game. You know, hopefully we still have two more games, but they're a month away. You know, this is the first of December and and it's, you know, it's the end of the month before uh, the first round of the playoffs. And so certainly we hope we're, we're in that. Um, so I think that, uh, I think sort of no holds barred in that respect. And, um, you know, hopefully that does translate into some more carries. I think, um, you know, Georgia has, has a, and there, there's, 
I don't know if I have enough data points to to sort of double down on this, but sometimes Saban will play a team, and if they if they like to do something, Saban will kind of like to Saban will say well, we we're kind of good at that too, and so if Georgia is sort of known for their running game, there's a little me that a little bit of me that that you know Saban might be thinking. Well, I guess, you know, everybody's talking about Georgia's running game. I guess we might as well show them that we can do it too. So I wouldn't be surprised if if there wasn't I wouldn't say a heavy lean, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of a lean towards a running game in this in uh, against the Bulldogs. Well, that would be good, man. Well give me give me your mini game balls. So I don't I don't take yours. Well, I'm gonna get I'm gonna do something I did similar a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Henry Ruggs and not for his play as a wide receiver, you know, pass catcher, but for his play as a blocker, he had at least, and and I'm sure there are more, we could go back and break down the film, but he had at least three significant uh, blocks, two at the goal line, uh, one definitely preserved, and I think, in fact, all three at the goal line, uh, but one definitely uh, preserved uh, a touchdown, and then he blocked on uh, uh, for one or two of his runs as well. And so I just want to give hats off to, to Henry Ruggs, Doing work downfield. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago only that that uh, that he got sort of run up on and uh, hurt his leg while he was blocking. And so the the fact that he sort of has some perseverance there. And I also like you know he's playing to he's playing to a standard. This has to be something that that Saban sort of has a lot of pride for. He doesn't block only when he thinks it's going to contribute to the touchdown. It's his default mode is I'm going to block. And and then if if it helps, it helps. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I've done what I'm supposed to do. And because uh, there was one of those where maybe he didn't need to do the block, but he did it. He was there. There was a defender block. And um, I, I just like that. I like that. He's down the field. He's in. He's pursuing the ball. Um, we saw him. Wasn't wasn't it him uh, much earlier in the season where Irv fumbled the ball and Ruggs picked it up. He he demonstrates a pursuit. I think unlike any receiver that we've seen, certainly in recent times. And so I'm giving a big nod to the pursuit blocker that is Henry Ruggs. Well, and he's a very physical player, right? I mean, he's six foot, 183 pounds, but yet he plays very physical. Yes, surprisingly physical given his his size yes. and what he's really known for is a blazing, you know, speedster. You don't get that in one package. You don't. I mean, how long have we you been watching football? Yeah. You don't get that in one package. No, you don't. And um, you know, hometown Montgomery, Alabama. So glad he he didn't go. You know, glad glad he came to to the Crimson Tide. But you know, he's sitting there on the season with thirty nine catches, but ten touchdowns. Right. Ten touchdowns, David, out of thirty nine catches. Well, he's a playmaker. Oh, remember last season? Uh, at one point in the season last year, he had five catches for five touchdowns. I mean, the dude, you know, when the ball's in his hand, he, yes. he makes things happen. Um, and well, and, and, the, and the touchdown and one of the touchdowns real quick, David, that he caught man, I just have to say it was also not a fabulous throw by Tua. He made a phenomenal catch. Oh, phenomenal catch. Phenomenal catch. Could I mean, you say that? Let me ask block, this. You... I, but that was a great freaking catch that I don't oh, also it, but... think that, that maybe some other people, what you said about Josh Jacobs might be sh uh, true on that pass as well. He said, okay, Ruggs will catch this. Let me put it over yes, there. Yes, yes, yes. It, I, th I think that's true. And and let me, this will sound, this will sound even strange to my ear, but is, 
is Ruggs one of the – this will even sound silly. Is Ruggs one of the underrated receivers on the team? Because, you know, Jerry Judy, right? And then Devonta had the catch last year, uh, you know, for the title game. And so everyone sort of remembers Smitty for that. Jalen Waddle, sort of the new shiny toy. And, God, there's still Henry Ruggs. Does it, does it almost feel that way a little bit? Oh, I think he is currently probably viewed as the third or fourth receiver by some teams in the scouting and all. Yes. And so yeah. that goes to that goes to their effectiveness, right? Uh, just because of all the weapons that they have. Um, that's a dangerous that's a so, dangerous decision for a defensive coordinator to make. Because if you start to to treat him that way, then then that's represented by who you cover him with, right? And Ruggs is so fast. That if you put the wrong guy on, on him, if they're, if they're we're just running yeah, not all day. I mean, he's that fast. Yes, but they're so talented at wide receiver, man. What do you do if they're all healthy? Know. Which is why when they got when two of them no when two of them got banged up the other day, that was a problem. Okay, yes, yes. because this this train is based on, um, you know, if you've got. Judy and Smith and Ruggs in the game, and then you bring in Waddle, and then you have Jacobs in the backfield with Damon Harris or Najee Harris in a split look. look you do. You can't cover them all. I mean, there's right. just there's just there's just no way. And then, um, and then rotate in Irv Smith, right? Oh, absolutely, man. Well, hey, I'm I'm gonna give um I'm gonna give my mini game ball to Deontay Brown. Um, you know, I, I just was so glad I was so glad to see him back in there just because of the continuity that that he seemed to to bring, you know, in the uh when he was in there, you know, when he when he went at, when he went out before his absence. And you know, I will say too, um, you know, I, I want to give a little kudos to the for at least how they handled things from the standpoint of um of basically uh, pass protection. And and I guess what I mean by that is, is this is a really good Auburn defense. Yes. Right? Yes. Really yes. good defense. And and they had they had they had one sack on the day. You know, two guys shared a sack. And um and so, you know, quarterback hurries on the day, Dave, was one. One. So you have one quarterback hurry and you have one sack against this defensive line. So Kudos to them because um, uh, they're they're showing an ability to protect him. Now, granted, he's got eyes in the back of his head, and his ability to move in the pocket and all is obviously preventing a couple sacks from happening. Sure, sure. Um, but they 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 still performed pretty well in the passing game. Um, you know, in this in this football game. No, I think you're right, and I know we're in the mini mini game segment, so I'll kind of reach back up a, a little bit. But you know, I think the, an irony, and and I think you're right, right. Um, you know, the offensive line pass blocked, you know, very well, uh, Tua is very instinctive in the pocket and, and sort of feeling, uh, feeling the pressure, having a clock in his head when he needs to, when he needs to do so all of those things that, uh, that not all quarterbacks have. Uh, I thought it was, it's interesting. And, and I just love the irony is delicious where he got into a rhythm when we picked up the pace on offense. And so for Gus and Auburn and Tempo and all of sort of the bluster about that, when we sped up even just a little bit, that's when we caught them with their pants down. That just tastes really good. No, that, 
<laughs> no, that is hilarious. Well, hey, flip the flip the field on defense, man. I was I was very concerned when um I was very concerned when Bugs went down. Yes. Um obviously, you know, he spent a lot of time on the bicycle and and um you know, talk to the listeners. I, I we had talked about they brought him back in for two different situations on a third down play to see if he could go and and he just couldn't go. So Hopefully, uh, hopefully is just a, a hyperextended knee, and hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll be able to go some in the Georgia game. Uh, but that was the first thing that jumped out at me is, you know, that's a guy we can't afford to lose. Absolutely, and and we and you know lost him early, early enough where we've got to sort this out, right? And I was watching. Now he went down and stayed down, and and. You know, he finally got up and he was sort of hobbling on the leg. But I don't, I don't necessarily read. You know, was he putting weight in it, all, weight on it, and all of that? Obviously, if they're not putting any weight on it, or if they haul him off on the cart, obviously, you know, sort of bets are off there. But when they put, you know, some weight on it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be okay or that they're going to be able to to come back. And so I was specifically you know, with, with sort of a tinge of doubt, I was looking for Isaiah Bugs, and I, I did not see him back out. Now that just means I didn't see the couple of plays because I'm watching other things too. Um, multiple times, Phil Darian Mathis caught my eye because, you know, he's sporting number 48. And so I'd see 48, you know, in there. And I think, is that, is, is that rugs? And he's sort of straightened out his Jersey and okay, that is an eight, not a nine. And so, uh, you know, but to your point, you know, you saw him, you saw him and he, he just wasn't effective. Um, to me, that means a couple of things. Uh, there's, there's, it starts with a big sigh of relief that, okay, it wasn't so bad that he clearly was not going to come back in. It's something that, Hey, if, if you're, you're right enough to give it a go. Okay. That's good. And even if giving it a go didn't necessarily work, then if you were at least right enough to give it a go, then you're going to be significantly more ready given a week. And so I, that was, I, that was something I was really pleased with. Um, and then I'll kind of take that and, and go in a little different direction with bugs being out. Um, we really needed to rely and lean on the depth uh, at the defensive line, which has been a weakness, especially early in the season. And I think, and and we can unpack this a little bit. I was intrigued very rarely this late in the season. Do we see something that we've not seen before? And um, to my knowledge, this is the first time that we shifted when we shifted to a dime. So six defensive backs, normally Dylan Moses is the one that, that goes off the, off the field. Um, and we keep our three down linemen against Auburn at least twice we rotated out a defensive lineman and kept three linebackers in the game when we went to um when we went to dime and there may be some obscure point at another time during the game or during the season where that has happened it has not happened to that that I called it out or that I noticed it and so uh I thought that that was unique uh that that we saw that we went to dime with two down linemen uh an extra linebacker in and so, you know, during the game, you know, I think we both kind of like, is that is that rotation or is that, you know, preserving rotation or on the defensive line 
or is that sort of coverage on the back end with an extra linebacker versus a DL in coverage? And I think we said, well, it could be both because we don't know. What's your what's sort of your thought on that? And uh, um, I just thought that was a curious observation. Yeah, just thinking about that a little bit further, uh, I think it probably was. I, I would I would probably land on the depth side um, because it bugs you know injury app happened early again on those two third down plays and got double team which i thought was hilarious and and he couldn't even like he couldn't even put weight on it kind of deal like he was like he was like jogging but yet you know he took up he was the only guy double teamed on those two plays and we got to the quarterback both times which was hilarious so it made me wonder if the second time he was just serving as a decoy um but i do think it was probably a depth thing um, you know, to that point, uh, I found it interesting that who got the most run when that did happen was LeBron Ray. And so, you know, um, obviously, you know, Johnny Dwight has done good things. Mathis has done good things. Um, but of all the guys, um, LeBron Ray seized his moment and uh, finished with, you know, finished tied with Dylan Moses for the top on the team with nine tackles. Uh, you know, he he was in on nine tackles on the game and uh, two of those being solo. And so, therefore, he was involved on, you know, seven, you know, seven efforts where he was, you know, doing some game tackling and flying to the ball. And so kudos to him because, um, you know, if, if Bugs is able to come back and, and go against Georgia, uh, having LeBron Ray to break that up a little bit is a big deal. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the same with Mathis. That, that he's come on this season, you know, they are two different body types, um, Matt, you know, Mathis and LeBron Ray, but uh, I, I like how they both contribute. I like how they both, you know, immediately stepped in. Uh, Johnny Dwight got uh, more run and we're hearing more and more, you know, of his, his participation. So, you know, that's good. That's good to see. I think that, uh, and, and I don't want to think about next season too much, but one of the things that sort of scares me is the defensive line next season. And so to see LeBron Ray and Fildarian Mathis get some run and some contribution, at least makes me feel a little bit better. I think we've got a ways to go there, but you know, we don't have to worry about that, that today. Uh, but yeah, LeBron Ray, he's an exciting young player. I wouldn't be surprised. I want to be careful with this. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the explosion on the scene, like, Quinn has this season, but I think LeBron Ray is positioned to have that, to have a step up. And so he's not, he may not, you know, sort of reach the same mountain peak, but I think he's primed for a step up uh, when he is more in a full-time rotation role. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to point out those guys because we obviously shorten the bench in games like this. And so you lose bugs, but yet you're shortening the bench. And so, you know, guys like, you know, Anoma did not come in, you know, till till the end of the game. Later, yeah. And yep. so, you know, I just found that interesting. Um, I want to touch on Raquan Davis for a minute because sure. obviously, you know, he's a very physically gifted player. Obviously, you know, he's made a lot of contributions to this team. Uh, but I think he had a really good game. There were several plays in their little bubble screen game where, you know, he was down the field, six yards down the field, making a tackle that could have been a 20-yard play had he not made the tackle. And, you know, he was asked to play a lot more in this game because of Bugs' injury. And so I just want to touch on Raquan Davis. I, I think he played a, a hell of a football game. Yeah, he had a really fine game. 
you know, we're talking about DLs and, and it's, you know, it's hard not to talk about the six, seven, you know, three, three fifteen fella. Um, yeah, he, he, he's a monster and, uh, certainly demonstrated that on Saturday. So, um, so that was good to see sort of the queued up big baller, uh, Quinnen, his numbers weren't, you know, sort of off the charts today, uh, or Saturday, but you know, he did at three, three tackles, a sack, a TFL and two hurries. So he's still sort of, <laughs> he's still sort of filling up the stat sheet. Oh, absolutely, man. And let's talk about Anthony Jennings real quick. I mean, the interception that he made, you know, Stidham came into this football game, Dave, with only four interceptions the entire season. Yes. And so out of 11 football games, he had only thrown four picks. And so he protects the football. And so, um, you know, in this play for Jennings to to come back, that wasn't Jennings' guy. For Jennings to be right. able to read the quarterback's eyes and go back and make that play a very athletic catch, um, was huge. And, uh, you know, he, he finished obviously with, um, with a great day with eight tackles third on the stat sheet. Um, he was asked to play a whole lot is Davis and Quinnen Williams, all three of these guys, um, you know, Christian Miller, let's not forget all these guys were asked to step up and play a whole lot more. Uh, but you know, we were talking earlier about Auburn's great defensive front and they had one quarterback hurry on the day. Well, dude, would you have ever guessed with with the with the talent that Auburn has up front, okay, that they would finish this game with one quarterback hurry and we would finish with eight quarterback hurries? No, <laughs> no. Now, I would definitely... real quick, two 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 attempted thirty two passes, okay, thirty two attempts. Stidham had thirty, so very similar, mm-hmm. but yet we had eight quarterback hurries and they had one. And and they were you could you could reason that they were more effective running the ball, um, and yes. so yes, you think about slowing down a pass rush because uh, because a more effective running game. Yeah, I mean, you definitely uh, you know definitely would have thought there would be maybe not equal even, but more of an even because um, that, that's that's a pretty diverse you know metric. You know, you mentioned Jennings. I I wonder he he's. Seems to really be coming on. The last couple of weeks, he he has really come on and contributed. And you know, like you you sort of run through his stats. You know, he had a a pass deflection, a hurry, a sack, and a tackle for loss as well. I mean, he was filling it up. I don't know if that wasn't his best day. You know, competing for you know Alabama. If it's not, if it's not, it's in the top two. That was an outstanding performance. And uh, I think if he is hitting a stride, boy, that's a good time to do it. No, absolutely. Um, well, you know, we we haven't talked on this yet, but just want to touch on briefly. There, there were some calls that that you know there were calls on both sides that yep. you know could have could have could have landed either way, right? You know, we have a we have a Auburn gets a big holding call early in the game that obviously could have affected their momentum, uh, which you don't see that call very often. You know, Carter Carter has a play a, a pass defense that could have been called a pass interference, right? where he literally just pushed the guy with both hands, you know, 35 yards down the field uh, before he approached the receiver to, to try to deflect the ball. So that was an interesting call that, that was fortunate to go our way. What do you think about the, the, the long touchdown when Auburn got their third touchdown there, you know, in the third quarter, the, you know, Savion Smith had played a really good game up until that point and he had really played well against their sweep runs and, and, you know, being the outside guy, 
um, you know, not letting them get the edge, et cetera, and, you know, fighting off the wide receiver and making good plays against the run, et cetera. And obviously he had a good game, uh, two pass defenses. But what do you think happened on that long touchdown play? Was it offensive pass interference? Were, were they just letting them play and he got out physical and, and got off of his, his mark? What do, you, what do you think happened there? I think, and, and I think similar to, you know, the Shy Carter play, I think they were letting them play uh, a little bit. Uh, Shy got a little handsy, but it wasn't so bad, you know. And but to your point, I've seen I've seen less called, and I've seen worse not called, right? And so that was right in there. And you know, maybe if they call it, then you know the thought is, man, let them play a little bit. So, and and I, I think the 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 call with with Savion probably pretty similar. Was there something there? Yeah, probably. Was it worthy of calling? Eh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I sort of let them play. Is 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 my thought. Um, I think there were multiple times the Alabama secondary, or let me rephrase that, the Alabama defense, you know, gave up their coverage and they let someone, they let someone go. You know, Mac Wilson did that uh, when the running back coming out of the backfield. Um, you know, we saw that on the sort of the throwback, the double pass. Uh, you know, they let the the coverage guy go. I think those are, you know, certainly they contributed to big plays for Auburn, but I think they are so coachable and so, I want to say easy, but those are pretty straightforward things for the Alabama defensive coaches to sort of buckle down. Hey, stay in coverage, you know, until the ball crosses the line of scrimmage, until we're on sort of mad pursuit for a for a runner, stay in coverage. And if that means they get 12 yards, then that's better than them getting, you know, 50 and a touchdown. Um, so I think that is highly coachable. And I think we'll start to see that so, sort of lighten, uh, tighten down. Also think we won't see so much gimmickry. Um, you know, what do we used to call it? Tricky Dick. Um, offense from, um, you know, you know, that's just Auburn, right? It's just what they do. And so you can almost bank on them burning you one once on something like that. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would have thrown a flag against Auburn there. I don't know that I would have thrown the flag against Shy. And I think in general, um, you know, we just needed to get back and get da- back down to some basics on, hey, we let a couple of guys leak through for big plays. We need to not do that. Well, to your point, right on the on the big third down play, um, you know, I I think it was Mike Wilson's guy that you know that was able to to get that you know to, that was able to convert that yep. uh, big play. I mean they they had a they had a third and they had a third and thirteen at our thirty nine yard line, and and he gets a big twenty five yarder to to get to the fourteen yard line. But you know, on that other play, it was it was basically a receiver, right? Ryan Davis throwing it to a uh, to yes. a running back. Yep. Um. And and the guy and the guy that caught the ball, um. You know, he he had he had had about four catches in the past month. Um. He he doesn't get a lot of he doesn't catch a lot of balls. Um. And so, both of those plays, Dylan Moses wasn't in the game. Uh. They had kept four down linemen or or three down linemen and a linebacker with his hand in the dirt. They had had the dime look, and they had Mac Wilson in there by himself both of those times. And both of those times, you know, Mac Wilson is is on an island by himself there and, you know, has a lot of ground to cover. 
And because what I found interesting here, Dave, is that when we when we did this dime so much, you could you could say we had a base dime in this game because we really didn't see the nickel hardly at all. And when we did the base dime look, we stayed too deep on the safeties most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so we, we would when Auburn went four wides, we would have four DBs covering their wideouts, but yet we still had two safeties over the top. And so that is very interesting that that we showed that kind of respect for for the deep game. Like like we had we had eight quarterback hurries, right? Because Stidham had nowhere to throw the ball, and he had nowhere to throw the ball because we had two guys over the top giving the four guys help. Right. No, I think that I don't think we. Yeah, I I think that you know we put a lid on the defense with uh, you know the two high safeties, and they. Other than sort of the trick plays where they could they they were able to sort of move us around that way, they weren't a threat really to attack us down the field, which I was surprised by. I thought you know Sidham hasn't had a a great season this year, but he still you know he is who he is and he still has an arm. I don't you know I don't know if he's been hit too many times this year or they have sort of chained him to an offense that he's not really effective running. I don't I don't know what it is, but he still has a capability that they're not using. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think for a little bit, we said, look, Sidham's not going to beat us down, down the field. Uh, so we're going to put a lock on that and then everything else will sort of choke them out underneath. And, and, um, you know, for the by and large that, that, that seemed to be the case. We're talking about dime. But is that, but is that, but is, but is that, but is, say, but is that why we did the base dime instead of our typical base nickel? Because Auburn, Auburn had game thinking you know Auburn had to come into this game you know prepared for a base nickel look because that's the predominant formation we run right but by but by having those two deep safeties we forced them to do everything short and uh, I think that 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 totally messed them up no I agree I I wouldn't I don't know that I I, and I hear what you're saying I'd I'd say this kind of tongue-in-cheek I don't know that I would go so far as to call it a base dime yet uh but I think we were giving them a look that um that maybe they weren't expecting and that forced them to sort of re reconsider, uh, you know, how they wanted to try to attack us. So I do think that, uh, you know, maybe we were prepared for things that, you know, Auburn had to take off the, off the plate and that there's a little bit of, and this would be, would be true of any game. There's a little bit of that, that you never know. Right. And so, damn it, we didn't think they were going to come out and dime so much. We had a lot of we had a lot of nickel beaters ready to go, but if they're in dime, we can't run them, and so you just don't know. And um, and so it's a little bit of the prep, and it's a little bit that's why coaches get paid, and that's why you know you make those decisions. And so did we force them away from some some plays um, that they wanted to run? Yeah, probably so. Um, you know, we talk about dime. I don't think we can talk about dime. Or, or I'm surprised we've talked about Dime this much without mentioning Jaron Maiden. Uh, he went down, or, or not down, but he went out uh, early, I, I think, in the third with, um, you know, sort of a head-to-head uh, contact. I think it was the right call. I wish, you know, it would have been easy for him to tackle different. Uh, so we can talk about that. And then we also talked about sort of in the moment at the game, well, who's going to be, you know, sort of running the Rolodex of players, who's going to be the backup dime, which is sort of a niche position anyways. 
uh, and it, and, you know, quickly we got an answer to that, to that. It was, uh, Keaton Anderson. So, you know, unpack that wherever you want to go. The hit that Maiden had or Keaton Anderson coming in at, uh, at dime. Unfortunately, it was the right call because he looked up, he looked at what he was hitting, but his face mask, you know, clearly landed on, on the other guys. It was clearly helmet to helmet. And like you said, had he put that in the chest, dislodged the ball, ball play. Yep. And so, um, you know, that's something he's got to learn from. And this is a kid that, you know, this is a kid out of Texas uh, who, you know, really didn't get a lot of play until the Missouri game. Uh, and so he had played, you know, Missouri, Tennessee, LSU, and Mississippi State. And obviously he was in the game plan in this game for this dime look. And so obviously, you know, we're, we're going to miss him in the first half of this Georgia game now. Yep. And so it, it will make you wonder against a talented, you know, passing attack of Georgia – you know, do we go back to the base nickel? Like, I, I will tell you to your point, I fully expected with the lack of depth that this team has uh, at the DB position due to other injuries that has happened, I fully expected us to abandon the dime look and, and go to the nickel. And this is why I'm not a coach, because they saw they saw an effectiveness with – with what they were doing and they had a comfort level of bringing in Keaton Anderson to continue doing what they were doing and they didn't go away from it. Right. Which, which may be the score. Like I'd be curious if it was a close game, would they have made that call because the game was, you know, that they had the, they had the, you know, I mean, I guess I'll pitch this to you. Was it because they had a big margin at that point and our bigger, you know, it was, it was more than a one touchdown game. So, so, you know, do they do they go with Keaton because it's working? Do they go with Keaton because they're like, okay, we got to give Keaton some run because now, you know, uh, now Jared's not going to be playing in the first half of the Georgia game. And if we want to do this look, we got to be able to, you know, get Keaton in the game. You know, could, do you think all those moving pieces were going through Saban's head? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think they absolutely were. I think, you know, to your point, hey, this is working. We, we want to continue doing this. We've built some defensive game plan around this. Uh, this is what we've practiced. Uh, so there's a little bit of that. You know, let's see what, and I say this, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek. Let's see what he can do. Look, he's there's a reason he's not a starter, but he is a senior. And he has played a lot this season, just in sort of call it garbage time or when the, when the, when the twos come in. So he's he's played a lot. He's a senior, so he knows his responsibility. And this is, I think, it's one of those classic, I know what my floor is. I know what Keaton's going to do. I know what he can do. And I know that he's consistently going to deliver on that. I can I can make up for the rest. I can make up for where he might be deficient here or there because I know what I'm getting from him. You put something out, someone out there, out there that maybe is not as prepped, maybe is not as ready, and then you just don't know what you're going to get play to play to play. And so I just think that is – I just think that's as saving as it gets. Um, and then you also factor in, you know, if you, know, if you count Maiden, right? So we're talking – we're talking dime, so that's six defensive backs. Remember, we replaced the whole secondary, all six last year. So these are new starters. You take Maiden out, and you go to Keaton. That's seven. You take Trayvon and Jalen Amar Davis out on injury. You're nine DBs deep, and so 
in in September, would Keaton have been the backup at dime? No, he wouldn't have been. Probably Maiden would have been because Trayvon. But here we are, and you could reason that we're nine deep, that Keaton was nine deep in the secondary. And at some point, that you got what you got. And uh, but him being a senior and him knowing the defense, I th- I think. I think we roll with him, you know, as we did in Auburn. We roll with him in the first half of Georgia. Uh, we might have less of a game plan around dime, uh, which that's fine because that's what we've done most of the season. And so we may not have to see him necessarily, and I don't mean that negative, but we may not have to go to dime very often. And so I don't I don't know that there's a lot of lost sleep over Keaton playing dime in a game that we may not need it. Well, kudos to him, right? It was the second offensive series for Auburn in the second half. Like you said, it was early. It was we early. had come out and we had come out and scored though our first two series of this of the second half, which helped. Right? We had took a yeah. 17-14 game to 31-14 and we had done it in 5 minutes. And so I remember, you know, you and I talking in the stands about, "Hey, we just we just put two touchdowns on them in 5 minutes." Yep. Which uh which also helped. Uh, but just, but just, it was very interesting to me that that we that we stuck with that, you know, like we did. The other thing I'll mention real quick before we do many game balls is, you know, typical Gus Miles on with his trick plays. He threw the kitchen sink at them. Okay, yep. I mean, he had a wide receiver throw a pass. He had a running back throw a pass. He did a flea flicker. The only thing we didn't see was an, a fake punt and an onside kick. Right. I mean, there were four or five trick plays in this well, game. Hang on, though. Did we? And, we um, saw no. Do we? Well, was it a fake? I don't know that. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know that it was a fake uh, because they did this sort of funky alignment, but they did do a, a sort of yeah, transformation. Yeah. They put so I don't know that was a fake. You know, because because yeah, all no, that, the that was tricky, Dick. That snap. was tricky, Dick. But it yeah, was that a was tricky, tricky Dick, because yeah. that was. Yeah, because that was their field goal kicker, right? You have a field goal kicker yes. come in motion who yes. then gets the pass. And, uh, you know, on that play, you know, job Patrick Sertain, uh, you know, for drilling him. Um, but, like, I don't know what Gals, Gus Malzahn was what, – what, what, what's his drink of choice? I don't know what he was drinking when he came up with that play because why in the heck you get your talented field goal kicker of everybody on the team to run in motion and then catch that pass and take a chance of getting a hit like that. I was surprised you put that kid in that situation, but that, 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 he he was coming up with, he could come up uh, and he still got doubled up in the score, which is hilarious. Yes. That, that to me is a high school play. And I know when you talk about high school offenses, you know, in college that, you know, that's a pejorative and, and that's okay. I get it. That to me was just one of those gimmickry, and Auburn does it a lot on on even PATs and stuff, and 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 to me that's that is high schoolish, and so they do a lot of that. I got to wondering on that play where they moved all those linemen out, and I think they had a sort of guy behind them, and you know however they sort of set that up, um, and then we moved over three defenders, and then and so I so I started thinking the math on this doesn't work for them. They've they've moved over, you know, four or five. They had five guys, five linemen or four linemen and a and a I don't know another position player. And so, 
they've got so they've got you know technically they've got numbers because they've got you know five on three the way they lined up the lineman at the end of the line was an eligible receiver and so i start doing math in my head like okay so you've got you know sort of five skill position players i'm going to burn one of them at the end of this line um i'm wasting numbers because i'm not going to run the play over here I'm going to run it over on the other side and Alabama's got me out, out gunned over there and I'm down to four skill players that can make a play just the whole thing. Just, and then I'm going to run a play and it's going to be the kicker. I just, to me, it just, you know, and so you think, well, I'm going to use a kicker because they don't expect the kicker. Well, you know, there's only four other guys they can cover and they've got more than enough people to, to cover all of them. So, it's not going to work. It's there's, there's no part of that to me. I mean, I guess I'd like to see that in practice and how are they drawing it up and what really, like, I'd like to see that in sort of the sterile environment of how they're trying to design that because to me, it becomes a math question that doesn't have a good answer. So why would you ever do that? No, that's true, but much less throw it to your, to your field goal kicker, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, I was waiting for the onside kick at some point because I was like, okay, we've seen everything else. I was I was exactly what I was like, I was, oh, onside kick this one. <laughs> yeah. So so I was I was absolutely shocked uh that that we had not seen that. Um well tell me what uh, anything else on defense before we do mini game ball. No, give me a mini game ball. Uh, uh, for the reasons we talked about, but I'm going to give it to Keaton Anderson. Okay. Um, because obviously, you know, he's an unheralded guy. He he has to come in in a short second notice, and he comes in. He looks very comfortable. We've always talked about these guys being prepared. Yep. They've got their head in the game. He comes in. He's ready to go. Uh, there, there's no, you know, Bama doesn't waste a timeout. They don't call a timeout to go talk to the kid. They just bring him in. And yep. after they review the play, off you go. So uh, just kudos to him for uh, for coming in and stepping in and, and seizing his opportunity. No, I think I, you're spot on. I think that um, there truly is. And I, and I like the way you phrase it. You know, the next guy's always prepared. Uh, it's the next guy up. But but that rings hollow if the guy can't play and he doesn't know where to line up. And so, you know, and it, you know, hey, the fact that he's a senior helps a lot in that as well. But as soon as as soon as Jaden uh, was out, you know, we were, or Maiden was out, you know, we sort of turned like, okay, who's the backup dime? And, you know, which is a nuanced question. And, you know, Saban did one of those things where he brings 15 defenders, you know, to the edge of the field. And then, you know, they're going to call out a defensive formation. And some of the guys are going to, you know, based on what the offensive does, I, I just like that as a, as a sort of a scheme anyways. And so you can't look at, they can't look at, hey, Alabama's got this on the field. So we're going to run this play. You take that away from them, and then sort of we get to make the informed decision based on their personnel. I just like little clever little things like that. And so uh, as soon as we ask the question, who's the next dime dime up, you know, there's the 15 defenders out there. And within like 12 seconds, we're like, well, there's our answer. And we didn't play Keaton that play, but I think we played him the next play. And uh, and the fact that he came in ready to play and, and contributed the way that he did, I think is phenomenal. I had um, uh, I had him down as, as a potential mini game ball, so I'm glad you covered him there. Um, I'm gonna go. I had two other 
sort of ideas I was going to go with. I'm going to go with Shy Carter, and he probably has outgrown, you know, especially relative to Keaton, but he's sort of outgrown the the mini game ball. But, you know, he may have had one of his best days just, you know, from beginning to end. You know, he had three tackles, three pass deflections. Um, at least two of the pass deflections were on big third down plays. Um, I know, uh, you know, their receivers dropped the first two passes, and and then the third was batted down by Shy. Uh, he had another third down uh, that he batted down. It may have been. It wasn't flashly like a pick six, and he's he's had those before too. But in terms of just covering sort of all the bases, making plays, contributing to the flow of the defense, uh, getting Auburn off the field, which is sort of something Saban is always talking about. Shy may have had his best day, uh, or certainly one of his best days. And so when you got guys like Jennings and Shy Carter – having their best days or, or one of their best days, um, that's going to bode well for the defense and uh, tip of the mini ca- mini game ball to um, uh, to shy. Absolutely, man. Well, let's flip the field real quick for the uh, – well, I guess let's, let's flip the field now to special teams. You know, obviously the, the crowd was very excited, man, that, that we made a field goal. Yeah. Making that, making that field goal was – making that field goal was a big deal. I, there's a <laughs> – there's a part of me that and it said, was thirty yards. No, 30 no yards. No, there's a part of me that says that there's a part of me that wants to do this. Pulavis made a field goal, and he made all seven of his PATs. And Mark Bernier averaged forty-one yards. Let's not talk about special teams. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true, man. The good news for this team is I don't think special teams is going to I, – I, I just don't see them getting into a close enough game where special teams is going to be an issue. I, yeah, um, I So the good true, news right? is, is I think they're going to be able to, you know, they're, they're going to be able to keep easing into this. I'll say it that way. I hope so, right? I mean, the last time we got into a game where special teams could have helped us win it was against Georgia, and, you know, we're going up against Georgia. Fortunately, you know, there was a much more climatic ending available for us, but, uh, you know, but that's, that's what we had. You know, we did talk about, uh, they did their little trickery on, you know, on that kick that speaks to a preparedness by our special teams, uh, coaching. Uh, we've talked about banks before and, and that sort of little extra that he gives us, uh, I guess the, the juxtaposition there is we did allow a blocked punt. Uh, and so, you know, that's never fun. Uh, but, but um, let's pull that for a quick second, because obviously we talk about how great, how how well the special teams coach has done, you know, coming from Texas A&M. Punt was blocked on a couple and this. We don't punt a whole lot, but it almost seems like that's a coachable thing, too. Uh, you know, we were we were letting the guys go at the line of scrimmage. It seemed like too quickly. And so you had. Yes, the three back guys, you know, that were the protectors and there's only so much you can do. And so I think that's going to, so, so while I, I hate it happened, I'm glad it happened in this game instead of the Georgia game. Yes. Because yeah. that will be something that will absolutely be worked on this week. You know, <laughs> you know, you're, you're spot on. And so it's one of those things. And we talk about this, right? We talk about, you know, coaches look for things. We can exploit this. We can do this. And so, you know, you can reason that that's something that they put in. We're going to block one of these because we see something and we're going to get after it. And so can you imagine like, 
the special teams coordinator on Georgia's uh, coaching staff saying, damn it, damn it. We saw that too. <laughs> and that was not going to be Absolutely. So you're right. I, I Absolutely. Guess, as much as I didn't like seeing it, I guess I'd rather happen it that happened in a 52-21 game than a game where it might impact the difference. Absolutely. And uh, I guess I'll just point out very quickly, um, you know, uh, punters are definitely uh, trying to 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 kick it right against the sideline where where Waddle cannot do anything. Yes. and so uh, obviously he he was he did not have the ability to make a play there. Um, uh, teams have teams are definitely doing a, a better job of keeping it away from him because yeah. because you know their punter had seven punts and uh, but yet you know Waddle didn't have any return yards and so. Uh, they they did uh, Auburn did a good job with that. Yeah, I still say that's something. You're right. That's still something they have to coach up. That's still something they have to put effort in, and that's still something someone's going to mess up. And so, um, I I while you can reason that, hey, they've made you know the opponents have made adjustments, and and that's true. I don't think I don't think he's done making big plays in a return game. No, I'm with you. Well, let's talk about this next game in Atlanta, man. Let's talk about the SC Championship. How, how do you think things are going to unshake here with with the Georgia Bulldogs in a in a rematch of the national championship game? Yeah, you know, I think um, you know this is I think going to be the best opponent that we've played all season. I don't I don't think that that's really a surprise to to anyone. I think they've got the best balance. They've got the best talent that that we have faced since their loss to LSU. And and sort of that's the common opponent, right? They've lost to LSU, and 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 we handled, you know, we handled that business. And so I think that speaks to, you know, sort of the core of 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 the two teams. You know, I don't go transitive property on the score and all of that stuff, but I think that Georgia has played better since that loss, and it's you know, and that's maybe the Saban coming out of of Kirby that says don't waste a loss, don't don't waste a failure. We lost this game. Let's learn from it. Let's get better. Let's improve upon it. And so Georgia, in that respect, has done all they could do. Now, is what they are enough to beat Alabama? It. I don't think so. I really don't. I think they're a stronger running team than they are passing, although you know they're capable there. And so that's where they get balance. I think they were a better team last year than they were this year. And I think, on the whole, we're a better team this year than we were last year. And I know that's simplifying a lot, but if you're starting somewhere, that's where I think, to me, that's a reasonable starting point. We're better than last year. They're not as good as last year. Okay, now how do these team two teams, uh, you know, match match up from there? I think the spread. Your score yet? Hold your score. Hold your score. Yep. I was gonna say. Yeah, I think give me give me your is, comments, but just hold your score. Nope, that's fine. I think the, I, I'll finish with this. I think the spread is, you know, I think it opened at, at 10 and it's it's almost 14. I, you know, those start to be big numbers in in a con in a you know a contest like this. Uh, but um, you know, I'll hold my score, but I'll say I think we win, and I'm gonna pitch it to you before I say more than I should. All right. So last year when I was at the national championship game, right, Georgia had 75, 80% of the fans in that place. And it was obviously a home game. Sure. Big time. 
um, those fans knew they had a chance in this game. Yep. I don't think the turnout is quite the same in this game. I think this game will be a little bit more of an even affair. It might be 60-40, 65-35 kind of deal. But I agree with what you said. Georgia's not as good. Alabama's better. Uh, Georgia had 24, 25 seniors last year. They've only got six seniors in the starting 22, okay? And we just talked about the eight quarterback hurries. Well, guess what? Georgia's got one center – excuse me, their center is a senior. They got three sophomores and a true freshman at the other four offensive line positions, okay? And and I will tell you, man, while while it's a lazy analysis to just look at common opponents and look at scores – there's something to be said to this, okay? There's something to be said that against LSU, you let LSU score 36 points, okay? We let them score zero. Against Auburn, you were only able to put up 27 at home, and you won convincingly 27 to 10. We just put up 52 points against Auburn. You put Mm -hmm. up 27, okay? And then the biggest thing to me is Missouri, man. Missouri's got probably the second quarterback in the draft this year, right? A great quarterback. And in that ball game, you let them score 29 points. You win by two touchdowns. It was not at the game was in doubt until late, and you end up pulling away 43 to 29. We let Missouri Missouri score 10. Now I understand we were at home and Missouri had you at their house. I get all that. But my point is in three common opponents, Missouri, LSU, and Auburn. The differences in the scores are are over 20 points. Yeah. Okay. On the offense and defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to tell you that that I, I I'm going to tell you that that I think we cover the spread easily. And um this is going to be a fun game, man. I, I'm I'm going to surprise you when I tell you this is going to be like a 31 to 10 uh victory. I I, I think we're going to lay it on them. And if we if we if we hurried Stidham eight times. I think we are going to create an absolute nightmare uh, for or from. I, I think this is going to be a disaster for him. Really? Okay. That yeah, is. Uh, I, I think Fromm is going to get beaten up in this football game. That is an aggressive take, <laughs> dude. This what you just said a minute ago. If you put them together, um, because Tua is is going to be the quarterback in this football game. Last year, Georgia came in saying we've got to stop the run because we think we can handle the passing game of Alabama. Right now, they're coming in this game saying we can't handle Alabama at all. I, I, I also, I actually wanted to do more than thirty-one points. I, I think we lay it on them. I really do. So, do you put any? Do you pump the brakes at all? If you think about now, I, I'm not counting blowouts last season in competitive play. Georgia will be the first team to see Tua twice. Does that mean anything? Kirby Smart's a great coach. I think he's the best assistant Saban's ever had. But there's there's only – I would say yes if he didn't have four talented wide receivers, two talented tight ends, four talented running backs. <laughs> All the stuff we've talked about, there's, right? There's, Dude, the only way the only way Kirby Smart could do anything in this game is if they had, you know, 16 defenders playing against 11. I mean, really. I mean, it's it's the pure numbers. It's just the mass numbers of talent. Now, if Tua gets knocked out of the game and gets injured in the first quarter and Jalen comes in, all bets are off. Sure. But if everybody football game 
And no effing chance. Wow. All right. And I think they're going to get beat so bad that they'll get knocked out of the final four and they won't get in the playoffs. I think, um, yeah, I think if they lose, that'll be their second loss. So I do think they're likely out. Uh, if it's close, then they would have a case. Um, but uh, but they will have no case if uh, if your score is on. Uh, and I certainly root for it. I'm just going to sit here and look at my um, uh, my meager uh, 27-16 uh, game. I think their defense uh, slows us down a little bit. I think we slow them down more. And so I think we win. Uh, I guess I'm calling an 11 point margin, but uh, that pales next to your um, your 21, your 21. So, uh, dude, I, if if I had the wherewithal, I would absolutely. Okay, well, I can't. I, can't, I don't want to bet with you know. I don't want to bet with my team, but I understand. Um, you know, for the listeners out there, it's worth looking at. I'll say it that way. Okay. So so what I so what I I'm going to say this. What I hear from you is reminiscent of when we played um and so this is dated but when you when we played uh LSU the second time that season for the national title game you and I got together and we watched the the 9 to 6 game and we probably spent at least 3 hours going through that play dissecting you know plays uh you know going through all the uh, and and where things broke down, where things could be corrected. And we both left that thinking and, and, you know, looking at the drive charts and just everything, you know, we, we broke down for that and we left that game and we left that sort of prep session thinking that, or that review thinking there's no way we lose this game. We're going to blow them out. And I, I, what I hear from you is that same type of sort of, I don't want to say like bravado, but confidence, uh, confidence based on, you know, having looked at the data points. Is that a fair? I mean, do you sense that there's a parallel there? So, yeah, man, you are hearing me correctly. Last year, you had two uh, talented senior running backs for Georgia, two-headed monster. Both went high in the NFL draft, a, a veteran offensive line uh, that was able to protect this young quarterback for Georgia that didn't have to win games for them. Uh, Fromm's going to have to win this game for him, for them, and and he's not going to be able to do it. And so okay. you are hearing me correctly that that I think we handle them, we handle them with ease in this football game. Wow, wow. What do you think about uh, reports that Terrell Lewis may uh, may suit up and play? You know, um, man, I I don't know. I um, um, you know, I. Kudos to him if kudos to him if he is able to to go. Um, obviously, um, it, it would be helpful, right? Uh, obviously, yeah. him being in the game would be huge. He made some huge plays last year in the in the national championship game. You know, from an eligibility standpoint, um, I, I guess obviously the red shirt is you know the red shirt would be off the table. So, uh, so if no, he's he able could, to go. He could he could redshirt. He could redshirt. He can play. He can. The irony is he can contribute in four games without and and still be able to redshirt. It's the new rule this year. And so how many has he played? Zero. Okay, so so I'm sorry. So I should have known that. So if he's played zero games and he can go then and still redshirt, then absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I I think 
you know, certainly he's a talented player. I don't want to put him out there in a, in a situation sort of in harm's way uh, if he's not truly ready to go. But if he's ready to go, uh, he's not going to be in sort of midseason form like everyone else. But if but if he's ready to go and, you know, he can get six, eight, nine, twelve 12 uh, snaps, then that's just going to have a ripple effect, you know, for the front line guys, uh, help them stay fresh and ready and help us be aggressive. Uh, across the defensive front, so absolutely, uh, I, think, I think it's welcome news if uh, if he's available. But I don't think it's something that that Alabama needs nece- needs to necessarily uh, build a game plan around. It's just you know for non-Alabama uh, fans, it's it's just one of those. Well, of course they're getting him back <laughs> because no, because that's true, Alabama. <laughs> No, nope, so. that is true, man. But I, I think this will be a very different game from last year in the in the dome, uh, or excuse me, in Mercedes Stadium. I think uh, I think this will be a fun game for Bama fans to watch. Well, I am rooting uh, uh, for Alabama, and I am rooting for your score certainly there. So, anything else, sort of, we want to hit in closing? No, man. I think we're good, man. I'm 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 kind of ready for this game to kick off now. I'm I've I'm I'm I have gotten myself worked up enough that. We can just skip the work week and let's just get with it. Let's get, let's get with it. Let's press pause. Let the players get healthy and ready and prepped and all that. But yes, I am mentally there. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate uh, everyone. I think we went long today, but hey, good stuff. And we appreciate you being here with us. Um, as always, reach out uh, to us via iTunes. Leave us reviews, uh, comments, questions there. Uh, we're still working our way through those. Uh, we promise to catch up there. Uh, drop us emails. We try to correspond with every single one of them. And uh, in the meantime, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.